Hi, everyone. It's Peter Caldas, the CEO of the American Society on Aging, and welcome to Bylines. Richard Eisenberg is the managing editor of Next Avenue, the PBS digital platform with original and aggregated journalism directed toward America's booming older population. He also edits its money and work and purpose channels and is a frequent blogger on the site. Before that, he was at Money Magazine, Good Housekeeping, and Yahoo. He has written two books, How to Avoid a Midlife Financial Crisis and The Money Book of Personal Finance. Today, we're talking to Richard about covering money and work for the baby boomer audience and ageism generally. Welcome to Bylines, Rich. Well, thank you, Peter. So how has covering finance and work uh, for the boomer audience changed as, as you've worked in this space? Well, it's interesting. We've been doing publishing Next Avenue since 2012. Um, at that point, you know, we were a website primarily for people in their 50s and 60s. At that time, it was all boomers. Now, boomers have gotten older, as everybody has, and so we're also talking to some Gen Xers as well as boomers. And, you know, obviously, lots of things have changed since 2012 and particularly in the last year. Uh, but, you know, we've been through some economic ups and downs. Um, and so that's affected our readers' finances and their careers in lots of different ways. We've also seen uh, a great expansion in the idea of working from home, starting businesses from home. Um, so there's just been a lot to talk about in lots of different ways. And in all that time, I suspect um, ageism uh, has come up quite a lot. <laughs> so yes. could you talk a little bit about ageism as it relates to careers today and perhaps how your reporting covers ageism? Absolutely. Yes, sadly, ageism has been something that's been with us since we started Next Avenue in 2012 and long before that. Um, and it comes up mostly both for, for people who are looking for jobs uh, after age 50 and either can't even get an interview or they get an interview and don't get the job uh, because, at least for one reason being, uh, their age is, is being held against them. Um, and also sometimes people are losing their jobs because employers think they're too expensive, their salaries and their benefits are too expensive, and they could get somebody to do similar work for much less money. And so it's made it you know, extremely difficult for a lot of people over 50 who want to work full-time or part-time and are, are finding doors being closed in their faces. And are you finding during this time that your readership is very much engaged with those sorts of workplace-related topics? Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, in Next Avenue, we we cover all kinds of topics that relate to people over 50. So as you say, I'm the editor and a writer for our Work and Purpose channel and the Money channel. We also do channels about health care, about caregiving, and about living. So we cover lots of topics. But I will tell you that uh, ever since we started, uh, stories about looking for work uh, or switching fields or starting a business um, have been very popular, and, and they still are. No, don't worry about it. Um, so curious about how uh, you're seeing just general coverage of aging in the media. You know, locally, I can tell you I'm in South Florida and so many papers have basically eliminated the aging beat. I'm wondering how has um, reporting on aging changed and, and maybe uh, are you finding that less and less people are covering the topic? You know, it's interesting. I, I'm almost sort of seeing the reverse. I wouldn't say 
a lot of people are covering aging, but I would say more people are since we started Next Avenue back in 2012. Uh, and, and I say that because I go every year to the American Society on Aging Conference when we, they, you've been able to have it in person. I've gone to the Gerontological Society of America Conference uh, year after year, and I'm finding more journalists showing up there, more journalists are applying for fellowships on covering aging. Um, so while I'd say there are still you know, many, many, many media outlets that don't have anybody covering aging, I'm starting to see more of them who are. And, and I'm, I'm thinking sometimes they're national publications, but sometimes uh, in, in media outlets that are broadcast, and sometimes they're local. You know, I'm, I always think about uh, how surprised I am when, to your point, there are some national publications that will actually focus on aging or ageism. Or I, How would you say, um, what are some stereotypes or what are some things that you wish the media would better cover when it comes to aging and maybe more specifically remaining financially secure? Um, I guess what I'd like to see more coverage of when it relates to aging uh, is the realities of of life when you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I'm talking about that, you know, often from the financial and employment standpoint, but also from the health standpoint. Uh, I wrote a piece for Next Avenue a few months ago about the decline narrative of aging and whether the pandemic has made that worse. And sadly to say, I think it actually has, uh, that, that there's more of a feeling that as you get older, you just decline. And I, we, we know that's not true, and yet we still hear about a lot of it. And I think the pandemic has not helped. Do you think that the sort of what I'll call the anti-ageism movement has made actual inroads into changing, whether it's media opinion on how to write about aging stories or just generally public opinion? I think it's been helpful. I mean, I do think that we're hearing more discussion about ageism than we used to, and I think that's a good thing. I think the fact that it's out there and people are talking about it and and realizing that it's an issue, um, I think it's very helpful. Uh, I, I can't say that I'm convinced that it's had much of an effect by, at employers, which is where I would like to see a big change. I haven't seen that yet, um, but I do feel like people are more aware of it. I think people are a little more careful about what they say and how they say it because they now realize that ageism is an ism just like many others and, you know, shouldn't exist. You know, one place where ageism seems to be cropping up is in the national presidential campaign. I'm wondering, what's your take on the media's portrayal of these candidates? Have you been surprised or pleased or disappointed? Yeah, you know, Next Avenue, we're a nonpartisan site. We're from PBS, as you mentioned. So we certainly don't take a stand about one party or one candidate over another. But that said, I've seen quite a lot of media coverage on television and, and elsewhere uh, talking about um, how old is too old to run for office and are the people who are running for president right now in any way senile or do they have dementia or things that just are absurd, but we're hearing it and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I, I'm, I continue to be sad and disappointed to, to hear this come up in media outlets as though just because you are in your 70s or in your 80s that therefore you are mentally deficient in some way. And 
you know, we just know that isn't necessarily the case. So our readers and listeners are primarily ASA members. I'm wondering if you could share with them a little bit about how they can best um, either leverage or share their stories with media on important issues related to aging. Sure. Well, certainly at Next Avenue, and I'm sure this is true at many other media outlets, you know, we're, we always want to know what's going on, what are people interested in, what are they talking about. Um, and so for us, you know, we encourage people to email us, um, and we have on our website at nextavenue.org, O-R-G, um, at the very in what we call submission guidelines, the names of all of our editors and our email addresses so people can feel free to contact us if they think there's something we should be writing about or they have a story they want to tell us. And I would say that's probably true for many other media outlets. You know, The key thing is to find out who's the right person, who's the writer who writes about this or the editor who's editing in charge of it so that you don't try to – you're not reaching the wrong person because sadly, if you do send it to the wrong person, it may never get to the right person. So you may need to spend a little time doing a little research to find out who should I contact. And, you know, if you can't tell, then, you know, call the phone number for the media outlet and just say, hey, I'd like to, you know, send a story idea or talk to somebody about something that relates to aging. Who should I talk to? And you should be able to get a good answer to that. Richard, you know, one thing that our ASA members are are tackling with, particularly those who are in the service delivery sector, is transitioning their services from uh, what they normally do to deal with COVID. And so you have lots of folks, you know, leveraging technology uh, to deliver their their social services. From a from a financial perspective, Richard, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your observations about how COVID has impacted folks' retirement, for example, or other financial issues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the the coronavirus has actually, I think, had two opposite effects in terms of retirement. The, the surveys that I'm seeing are showing that there's a percentage of people who are finding that they need to retire earlier than they had planned to. And there's also a percentage who are saying that they now need to retire later than they planned to. Now, the ones retiring earlier are doing so largely because they've lost their jobs or they expect that they're going to and just don't think it's possible for them to find other work. Or they have greater caregiving needs that they need to be responsible for than they did before the pandemic. They may have a parent or a spouse or a partner that they need to be helping um, from a caregiving standpoint, and so they can't, they don't have enough time to do their work and to do that. So, so those are the early retirement people. Then the people who are retiring later, or at least think that they will, are ones who found that the pandemic has hurt their finances, maybe because they lost their job or have been furloughed, or maybe because the stock market went down earlier in the year. Um, but there are people who are saying, you know what, I thought I'd retire in a certain year. Now it's going to have to push that out for one, two, three, maybe five years, and uh, and they have make adjustments for that. Do you see any of that changing, Richard? Do you see any significant changes to the way, say, younger boomers or older Gen Xers are planning for their future in light of COVID? Um, you know, I, I, I'm seeing a little of that, not as much as I thought I would, frankly. The surveys, I, you know, I look at surveys all the time, and I keep expecting to see a lot of people uh, in their 50s and 60s making major changes or at least thinking much differently than the way they had before. 
And I'd say most of what I've seen shows that they are not doing that. And it, it may be because they just feel like, well, we just don't know how long this will last and, and let's wait it out a little bit and then I'll decide. It may be that they feel like there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, it may be that they are just sort of shrugging and saying, well, you know, I know I should, but I'm just not going to. Uh, that said, I've also seen that the United States savings rate has gone up dramatically. And I think what that's about is that a lot of people are now are not spending as much as they were before the pandemic for lots of different reasons. And so that money is going to savings. So in some ways, people are now finding themselves having more money for the future than they did before. Now, of course, some of them are having serious medical expenses or caregiving expenses. So uh, it's not all being going into the bank, but to some extent it is. So I suspect Next Avenue is covering all these issues and has done amazingly uh, during the pandemic. So thank you for your coverage. What can readers uh, expect in the, in the coming months or what new sort of features are you are you going to be exploring? Uh, well, thank you for that, Peter. Yeah, you know, we, we when we started Next Avenue back in 2012, we, we didn't think of ourselves as a, as a news site. We wanted to have articles that were timely. We published new articles every day. But we didn't think of ourselves as the New York Times or CNN. Uh, we thought we would be providing helpful content to help people navigate their lives. And, and when COVID started in February and March, we really had, we turned into a news site for a while. And every day we were doing nothing but COVID stories. And as you can imagine, COVID affects our readers in many different ways as it affects everybody in many different ways. So it became stories for the money channel and the work channel, but also for the caregiving channel and the living channel and the, and the, and the uh, health channel. So we've been covering it in lots of ways. I think by last count, I, I've, I think we were up to over 170 COVID-related articles so far, and they're all still on the site. We put them all in our special section on the coronavirus outbreak. And, of course, we're going to continue to write about it. Um, but we, but our coverage has changed as the world has changed. So um, I think people now have a, a better sense of sort of what, what it's like to live with it day to day uh, and maybe a little better sense of what it means if you or someone you know, God forbid, contracts the coronavirus. But things are changing in, in the work world, uh, in the financial world, and, and we're all learning new things every day in the health world. So you can expect, and uh, ASA members can expect to continue to see a lot more articles from Next Avenue trying to stay on top of what's new and to be helpful to provide the latest information and advice for people in all those areas. That's great, Richard. Thank you so much. And thank you again for joining us on Vine Live today. My pleasure. Thank you, Peter.